0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
1: Hey, 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 we are off and running week three in the NFL. Action packed Friday. We'll have injury updates on Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Demarcus Ware. Pays us a visit. That'll come in just a little while. But first, let's start with week three and the action that was last night in Cleveland. The Browns hosting the Steelers. Spider Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, crushing that guitar. One of the new traditions there in Cleveland. How about Jacoby Brissett to Amari Cooper? That's a new tradition in Cleveland this year. Good for the 11-yard touchdown. Cooper, back-to-back 100-yard games and back-to-back touchdowns. He's looking good. How about this one? George Pickens, arguably the early catch of the year. One-handed a la OBJ on the sideline. Holds on to it. There it is. Even Odell was tweeting, this catch is filthy. Respect all the way around. More Steelers now. Rookie paying dividends to tie it up at seven. And then it's Jacoby Brissett again, this time to David Njoku. Njoku set looking good last night. To the fourth quarter we go. 16-14. Browns on top. Third and one. What a call by Kevin Stefanski. This time Amari Cooper again delivering. And then later in the game. Nick Chubb. Look at him go. He was on fire carrying the team almost literally.
2: the 23-yard line.
1: It's fourth and goal. They decided to go for it. Of course, why wouldn't you if you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Touchdown, Chubb. Gets in there. That would help put the game away. They tack on a garbage time touchdown that upset many people. Browns win 29-17. Not much doing for the Steelers' offense after the game. Mike Tomlin was asked, going into this mini-buy now, would he consider making a change at quarterback?
3: I'm not. I'm not in that mindset. Um, I'm interested in reviewing this tape and looking at the totality of it and figuring out how we collectively get better. So, the answer to that question is definitively: No. Missed on some plays that we could have had, could have went either way. So, um, especially in the second half, we'll have to look at those, see where we could have got better. Um, and communication is crucial on the sidelines. Um, these next few days, communicate what we can get better at. Everyone just got to be brutally honest with themselves, and um, I think everybody can be a lot better, myself included. Um, and we'll just have to look at that, see where we can improve, but just stick together. Um, It's it's only going to get better if we stick together, communicate, talk about the problems, and everybody's willing to fix it.
1: All right, so here you take a look at the Steelers' offensive numbers, pass yards per game, 27th, rush yards, 22nd, all important points per game, a little more than 15. That's 24th in the NFL, and then the total yards per game still bottom five. So when you have... Mitchell Trubisky there as the starter. They have first-round pick Kenny Pickett. You know that's what people are talking about uh, right now. Mark Ross, Jim Trotter uh, joining us now for more on this discussion. Mark, when you see and hear Mike Tomlin's comments that they are not considering a change, how close are we, do you think, to a Kenny Pickett uh, look-see there at Steelers
4: quarterback? Well, Mike Tomlin, you got to think about what he said. He said, I'm not considering that right now. i got to go look at the tape. And I think when they go look at the film – They'll see, well, maybe we do need to make a change because despite the whole offseason of lauding Mitchell Trubisky's positives that he's a leader and the teammates loved him, he picked up the offense, he still had to play in the games. And once he played in the games, he looked like the same Mitchell Trubisky. Before the game last night, I said, hey, this was really his last chance to show something different. And once again, the first half was a perfect microcosm of the offensive scheme doing everything they could to make Mitchell Trubisky comfortable. He tried to push it downfield a little bit. But then in the second half, we went back to the same Mitchell Trubisky that we've seen. And that's just a limited quarterback who you cannot win with unless everything is perfect. And the way the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is not the same as we've known it to be, to just dominate and win games. You can't win games with Mitchell Trubisky. And if that's the Steelers goal, they have to reevaluate what they're doing. They have a first round pick in Kenny Pickett, who they drafted in the first round for a reason. They need to put him in there for a confidence level. Yes, he'll have some lumps and bruises and learn on the job. But for the offense and for the mentality of the the Steelers organization, they have to move forward, Jim, and move away from Mitchell Trubisky.
3: Yeah, Mark, you know, you said something critical there. If you're going to play a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, where points are at a premium, your defense has got to be on point. And they are putting a lot of pressure on that unit. And one of the 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 Achilles heels of this unit a year ago was stopping the run and we saw that surface again last night. They gave up 171 yards on the ground. In fact, opponents yards per carry averages increased in every game for the Steelers from 3.9 to 4.0 to 4.5. They couldn't get a key stop against the Patriots two weeks ago. They couldn't get a key stop against the Browns last night. And now coming up in their next four games, they've got two clubs who rank in the top seven in rushing. So that is something they've got to get corrected as well as figuring out who their quarterback is going to be, because if they don't, it's gonna be a long year for the Steelers in that regard.
1: Yeah, no no, no timetable yet for a T.J. Watt return. They're now 0-6 in T.J. Watt's career when the Steelers play without him. Dramatically different. On the other side of the ball, the Browns now 2-1, and really a miracle finish away from being 3-0. They obviously were able to move on quickly on Thursday night to get away from that Jets game. Kevin Stefanski addressing that after last night's game.
3: Short week with all the things, uh, you know, with last Sunday, uh, for those guys that come through, first of all, just battle to make it to this game, which is not easy. Uh, But then the fight for 60 minutes, and I I thought it was really a team win. I think it was offense, defense, special teams all working together to get a W in front of our fans who were outstanding uh, tonight. I I really thought they brought it. We had to look each other in the the face and look, look ourselves in the mirror and say like, listen, like, Man, the season's going on. Like, the the longer we soak about that one, then we won't be where we need to be for this game. And uh, I think the guys answered the bell and um, came out with a big one tonight. All right, Mark,
1: Jim, welcome back with us. When you look at last night's game, a lot to like about the Cleveland Browns. Mark, what impressed you most about them?
4: Well, I like Nick Chubb, who I think is the (laughs) best running back in the NFL. But it, it, then you got Kareem Hunt coming in there, who's what, top five, top 10 running back in the NFL. But it also starts with that offensive line. And we saw those guys just push the Steelers front. Jim talked about the Steelers defense not stopping the run. Well, part of that was because of that Cleveland offensive line really getting after them. Okay. And then you got Nick Chubb doing what he does with the balance and explosiveness and big plays and Kareem Hunt adding that extra versatility in there. So... For this Cleveland offense, it all starts and ends and goes on that run game. And if they can keep that going, keep the pressure off of Jacoby Brissett so that he just has to make a few plays here and there, Cleveland will be in most games. Now, a little worried. They have played three of the worst teams in the league, and the Panthers, the Jets, and then last night the Steelers. The schedule will get a lot tougher, so we'll get to see a lot more of what this team is really about if they can sustain that running game against those better teams, Jim.
3: Yeah, Mark, I'm going to look on the other side of the ball at the defense again from this standpoint. This is a unit that was maligned the first two weeks. They gave up 17 points in the fourth quarter of each of their first two games. So there was a lot of pressure on them. Last night they come out, they give up 17 total overall and only three in the fourth quarter. When I talked to one of their coaches after the game, he told me one of the things we did is we scaled back the playbook. That allowed the players to play faster. It allowed them to react rather than have to think so much. The interesting thing is that Deacons coordinator Joe Woods coming into the season was really excited about the fact that he was essentially going to have the same starting lineup for two years in a row for the first time. And what he wanted to do was open up that playbook to use more sub packages, those sorts of things. And what we have seen in the first two weeks is that those players struggled with miscommunication. Last night, they kept it simple. They got the win.
1: Yeah, their aim coming into the season to be the top defense defense. In the NFL, certainly a long way to go. They can trend that way. Jim, thank you very much. We'll see you a little bit later in the show. Mark, hold right there. because I want to get your thoughts on this. Arguably the play of the early season in the NFL. George Pickens, the one-handed grab. He said he's open 90% of the time, justifying that talk before the game with this catch. Three catches, 39 yards on the day. Now, we know, Mark, you were in the building when this legendary catch happened. Odell Beckham Jr., of course, was tweeting about that. We saw that a little earlier. This catch is filthy. Let's take a look back now at his legendary Sunday night football catch. One-handed was pass-interfered with, scored the touchdown. Mark, let's bring you back here. You were in the building. How electric that was in Odell's rookie year. How do you compare the two catches?
4: Hey, look, Omar. Odell's right. That catch last night was filthy catch of the year, but definitely not comparing to Odell's catch, the goat of all catches. First of all, look how far down Odell was on the field. Second, as you mentioned, there was a pass interference call where Carr was pushing him out of bounds. Odell had to maintain his balance. Next, Odell caught the ball, the point of the ball with three fingers. Pickens <laughs> had to use his whole hand to catch it. And then Odell scored a touchdown on that play. Caught, when he caught it, caught it clean with one hand, brought it into his back body, got straight up, cheered with the crowd. Pickens had to get his second hand on there and gather it in there, and then it fell back down again. So not as smooth. So from start to finish, the execution, the smoothness, uh, the, the the impact that it had on the game, I got to go with Odell with the GOAT. And that's as a, an impartial Odell fan, uh, a NFL Network analyst, and a partial Odell <laughs> fan because we drafted him there. Got to go with the go-to-ball catches with Odell Beckham.
1: Yeah, that catch seemed to launch this new era of guys catching with one hand, practice, practicing it before the games. We saw George Pickens' effort last night. I'm sure we'll see many more uh, here as the season goes on. Mark Ross, thank you very much. Time now for the Insider Report with Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo. Ian, we'll start with you. Whenever we talk on Fridays, there's always fallout. After the Thursday night football contest, what's the latest here on Anthony Walker?
5: Yeah, this is a tough one. And anyone who watched Anthony Walker get carted off emotional, clearly emotional yesterday with an air cast. You knew it wasn't good. You knew it was serious. And this is one of the heartbeats of the Browns' defense is now out for the season. Sources say it is a torn quad tendon. Very serious and significant injury for Anthony Walker. So long road back, similar to what Jamal Adams faced in Seattle. Uh, He's going to have surgery imminently. Uh, and now the Browns, which, you know, his defense really impressed last night and played a lot better than they had the previous two weeks, now has to go forward without one of their leaders in the middle of that unit.
1: Of course, it was last week we were talking about Justin Herbert after Thursday night football. Now eight days after that initial rib injury. Ian, where do things stand with Herbert?
5: Well, there has been some good news this week. Justin Herbert was throwing on Tuesday, practice, uh, did individuals on Wednesday, and then was spotted throwing yesterday. All of that is good, and I think for the Los Angeles Chargers, that is basically everything you've wanted uh, through this point in the week. But the biggest question, Mike, is going to be how functional is Justin Herbert? This is not a long-term injury, but certainly a painful injury, and you just don't want one of the young stars in the game out there unless he is fully like himself. We'll see on this one where it ends up. It's all been good so far, but I'm not so sure Justin Herbert is out of the woods just yet, Mike.
2: Yeah, look, Justin Herbert is a tough guy. If it was just a pain tolerance thing, I think he plows his way through. But if it's a functional thing and and they have to make the decision for him, it could be different. But we'll we'll see. It's going to depend on what happens uh, certainly during today's practice and how they designate him after that. Lamar Jackson, the other quarterback in the AFC that we've been watching with a close eye regarding a potential injury. Uh, everything looking good here. Lamar Jackson had the throwing sleeve on, excuse me, the, the sleeve on the right arm. Uh, on Wednesday was a limited participant. John Harbaugh said, "Nice, nah, he's good. He's going to play. Well, he was full on Thursday. I believe I saw reports on the scene said he was without that throwing sleeve at that point. So all indications are uh, Lamar Jackson, who had a terrific day against the Miami Dolphins, just not terrific enough for them to win the game because they just didn't play well defensively. But Lamar Jackson, uh, expected to play this weekend.
5: Oh, didn't play well defensively, you say. Well, a little <laughs> bit of a reinforcement coming in for the Baltimore Ravens. JPP, former Bucks standout edge player, uh, he is joining the Baltimore Ravens. Remember, he visited there not once, but twice, once coming earlier in the week. Just needed to know, uh, was he going to take their offer? In my understanding, it's a one-year deal up to $5.5 million, pretty subna- a substantial deal for a veteran at this point. John Harbaugh just confirming to reporters that JPP has, in fact, agreed to terms should be official at some point sooner, though we'll see if they end up getting through Sunday. But, yes, some defensive reinforcements are certainly on the way for Baltimore.
1: Yeah, Ravens Patriots should be a big one, a big one in Tampa between the Goats' Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. We haven't seen Julio Jones and Chris Godwin practice much This And what's the latest on those Buccaneers receivers,
5: Ian? Yeah, Chris Godwin did not practice this week. Still dealing with that hamstring injury and didn't seem like a long-term injury, but two weeks is just awfully quick to return, especially when you consider he's recovering from a torn ACL as well. So it didn't seem like we'll see Chris Godwin out there. Julio Jones a little more wait and see. Didn't practice, but was spotted on the side doing some work with some of the trainers. Todd Bowles telling reporters just a couple minutes ago, They'll take it up to game time, but they want to make sure he's healthy. That seems to be a little more pessimistic than you'd want. So you do wonder, like, are we going to see the debut of Cole Beasley despite the fact that he only signed this week when you consider all of the receiver issues they're dealing with, plus Mike Evans is out too.
1: Yeah, we have two huge showdowns in the state of Florida this week, Mike. The other one, the Dolphins and the Bills, but the Bills banged up in the secondary. What more can you tell us about that matchup?
2: Yes, Omar, on Thursday, both Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, the Bills' starting safeties, did not practice. And we said, oh, they better get the back end of their defense uh, to be able to play against a Dolphins team that is taking the top off of defenses. Lately, well, half of those safeties look like they're ready to go. Jordan Poyer back at practice. But Micah Hyde, he has been ruled out in addition to Jordan Phillips up front on that defense, as well as Dane Jackson, who suffered... Uh, That scary injury on Monday night, he will not play. The good news for him is he's been at the facility, he's been at practice. So great signs there. But in the short term, obviously, they're going to hold him out after that scary situation on Monday. So not great for this Bills defense starting to be a little bit thinned against this Miami uh, offense and the way that Tua was slinging it all over the field to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and everybody else. It's going to be an interesting dynamic now to watch in a game that could be more Closely contested than maybe we thought if the Bills were at full strength.
1: Yeah, more than 500 yards, six touchdowns for two. And Jordan Phillips, that's a big loss. It was instrumental in stopping Derrick Henry on Monday night, limiting King Henry to just 25 yards. So that's a big blow on the defensive line as well. Ian, Mike, thank you very much.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. The Dallas Cowboys
1: getting ready for a Monday night showdown in the Big Apple against the New York Giants. Of course, playing without Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush stepped in last week and shocked much of the football world, beating the Cincinnati Bengals. And then Jerry Jones with these comments yesterday.
3: Wouldn't it be something if you had a dilemma
1: as to uh, which way you go? You do that if he
2: gets 10 wins. Same thing had happened with Prescott. I think like that. So you'd want that? You'd want that controversy? Of course
5: I would. Okay.
3: Of course that means we'd want if he comes in here and played as well as Prescott played. Rush played that well over these next games ahead. I'd walk to New York to get that. <laughs> I
6: don't know how your day was yesterday, but I didn't know what you thought about <laughs> the quarterback controversy <laughs> looming in the Cowboys facility, and
3: then. <laughs> I'm just trying to say this with a straight face. Oh. <laughs> uh, had a great day yesterday, but thanks for asking. Once again, I mean, we, we've talked about the comments. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, like anything, um, you know, when you look at the whole thing, and it, particularly the start, it's about winning, and, and that's all we really care about. But there's there's no quarterback controversy. Next your starter. That's our starter, yeah.
1: Oh, Mike McCarthy can't help but laugh about those comments. Of course, Jerry Jones saying that Cooper Rush perhaps would have ten wins under his belt doesn't seem Dak Prescott's going to be absent nearly that long. But Mark, what did you make of those comments
4: swirling in Dallas yesterday? Hey, look, if this any other organization, Omar, you're like, whoa, what's going on? But it's the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones, and we're just used to this sort of talk from Jerry Jones. And as you can see, Coach Mike McCarthy, he's used to it too. And I think the whole organization knows that just they'll have to do a little damage control or just laugh off what Jerry says. Usually in an organization, you want your owner, your head coach, your GM, all to have the same message to the media put it out there this is we're going to talk about how we're going to put this or spin a certain uh, element of the game or the week but with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones it's just a non-stop entertainment all news is good news <laughs> whether it's positive negative controversial you get that Dallas Cowboys brand out there any kind of way to get those clicks and those eyes and that viewership on the Dallas Cowboys and I think that's the way Jerry Jones uh, mind works that hasn't translated the wins right now but he definitely knows how to sell and market and get that attention. Uh, Omar. He's the
1: ultimate marketer. He's the head coach. I mean he's the general manager <laughs> the owner and ultimate marketer. Mark Ross. Thank you very much. One of the most dominant players in his era to Marcus Ware outside linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys and Denver Broncos one of 129 nominees for this year's pro football Hall of Fame class. Let's take a look At that resume, what most people believe will eventually be a Hall of Fame resume. 12 seasons in the NFL, Super Bowl champion, nine-time Pro Bowl selection, and four-time first-team All-Pro. It is our great pleasure to welcome back DeMarcus Omar Ware to the show here on NFL Mount. DeMarcus, how you doing, man?
6: Hey, I'm doing great, man. How you guys doing over there?
1: It's good. It's good. Second year now as a nominee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class. You were taken all the way down as a finalist last year, Demarcus, are you one of those guys that will openly campaign for a spot, or did you try not to think about it? How do you handle what could potentially be an emotional roller coaster all year long?
6: Well, I think that I've already put my resume in, and I can't do a lot more campaigning. I've done that already for the last twelve years, so I think it's one of those opportunities that you just gotta sit back and you have to wait, wait for your opportunity, uh, wait for it to come, and once that door opens up, I'm gonna go, you know, right through it.
1: Well, the semifinalists will be announced in November. Then, of course, the finalists in January. Good luck to you, as always, there, DeMarcus. Speaking of somebody who may be in a Hall of Fame discussion one day, Micah Parsons has exploded onto the scene in a short time in the NFL, especially this year, off to a tremendous start. I know you worked with him early on in his career. What have you seen from him that has allowed him to become so dominant this quickly?
6: Well, I think that with him, um, his athleticism, first of all, just puts him – and a whole other, you know, character of athlete. But when you start thinking about his fierceness, right? As a young guy, when you come in as a rookie, you always think about can he, um, you know, get past that rookie um, syndrome of okay, well, I mean, you're playing 16, 17 games. But he was a mature guy. He came in, he was a captain, you know, starting out his first year, and um, and you can see what I think he led the league last year almost in sacks and. And he's been consistent right now this year.
1: A lot of people were counting the Cowboys out, but Cooper Rush came up big against the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, it's always something there in Dallas, Demarcus Jerry Jones saying he would love a quarterback controversy if that means Cooper Rush plays well. When you were a member of the Cowboys and all that circus was always going on, what was your mentality in that locker room?
6: You know what? If you're part of the circus, you gotta figure out how to, you know, get on the trapeze and, and be part of the show. Um, I mean, I've got No good nine good years with the Dallas Cowboys. And every year it was training camp, practicing with certain teams. You know, we're going to win the Super Bowl, so on and so forth. And it was a great opportunity to play for the Dallas Cowboys. But you got to sort of put all those distractions aside, right? I mean, when Jerry Jones said with Rush and with um, Prescott, you have to, you know, take that with a grain of salt. He likes competition. He wants to win. So he's going to do whatever it takes um, to make sure those ratings stay up high. But, you know, those guys, they focus, um, you know, they, I mean, the sky's the limit. I didn't think they were going to play like that last week. But, man, <laughs> uh, they do that, the sky's the limit for
1: them. Yeah, the ultimate showman, Jerry Jones. Meanwhile, you were the key piece a lot of people considered to the Denver Broncos when you signed there as a free agent back in 2014. Took a good defense to a great defense to the tutelage that you had with Vaughn Miller. What do you make of how Von Miller now has embraced that mentor role? First, with the Rams last year, helping them win a Super Bowl, now with the Buffalo Bills.
6: I mean, when you think about a guy coming from Denver, then going to the Rams, being a leader, uh, winning the Super Bowl, and now going to probably the best team in the NFL, the Bills, and seeing how not only they improved from last year, but got even better this year with Von on there. Um, I talked to him yesterday and just talking with him, he was like, man, I just feel young again. And When I watched him that first game, him beam and boy, get around the corner and get to the quarterback, I'm like, this dude was not kidding. He's lost about 15 pounds. And, um, I mean, they're, they're forced to be reckoned with. Is that, did
1: you feel rejuvenated when you went to Denver? Can you relate to that experience? I did. I did. Sometimes
6: you got to go to a place where you feel wanted, where you feel like you can win and you can be a leader. And those are three things that he told me that he felt going to the Bills. He said, hey, man, I might have to ride a private ticket to get back and forth to Denver to see my son or back to Dallas. But it's not about the showmanship when you're going from L.A. or Denver a nice place like that. He said, there is nothing in Buffalo but football. And that's what I want to do.
1: I'm ready to win. Well, the Broncos will be in the Sunday night spotlight hosting the 49ers on Sunday. But before we get to that, on Saturday night in the NFL Network spotlight, your alma mater, Troy, will be hosting Marshall. What do you think about this exposure that Troy is getting, getting on national TV right here on NFL Network?
6: You know, at every game when I played at Troy, we were the homecoming game and we got a million dollars for each time that we played. (laughs) And we played Marshall. That was my first breakout game. I told myself. If I'm going to be on national television, they're watching Marshall. They're not watching Troy University or Troy University or Troy State at the time. If I can play well, I can probably get my eyes seen on me, and I can probably make the NFL. So it's the same thing with Troy now. They beat LSU. They beat a couple of other good teams, Missouri, when I was there. So for them to play Marshall now when everybody can see them, it's going to be a good thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they've come a long ways. And you certainly lived up to your billing, becoming the number 12 overall pick in the 2005 draft. DeMarcus Ware. good luck with the Hall of Fame consideration this year, and thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Still to come here on NFL Now, Greg Rosenthal. He had an amazing week one with his game picks. He didn't do so well week two. He's here for week three next on NFL Now.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.
1: Robert Sala is not the only ones with receipts. We've got receipts right here for Greg Rosenthal's game picks. Rosie's receipts. Look at Week One: four and O. Oh, the ones that he highlighted here on the show. Week Two: not so good. Panthers, Raiders, Ravens, all losing. It's time for week reaction now. Greg Rosenthal, read. Why you got to do me comments like comments
7: on oh, uh, Week Two? There. I thought we were friends.
1: We uh, are friends, Greg. Maybe if you came in the studio and joined me, I wouldn't take such offense and highlight those.
7: Uh, Well, you got to check out the Friday phone show around the NFL every Friday. On on YouTube.
1: YouTube. Great shout out there. Greg, all right. A lot of showdowns here this week in the NFL. Let's start with that big one, Buffalo and Miami. Who do you got in this one?
7: I have the Bills winning a shootout 37 to 34. I used to have to cover the arena league in a different life. And <laughs> one thing people don't understand about offensive games, it's actually the defense in the end that can make one stop that makes the difference. And that's going to be the bills defense in this game. I don't think they're going to slow them down because of the injuries in the secondary. I'm very worried with Micah Hyde out, Dame Jackson out Miami will score, but the bills pass rush presents a problem that the dolphins offensive line just hasn't eaten so far. I've been amazed to see boogie bass and Greg Russo, Really step up this year alongside Von Miller. They get the big sack to secure a
1: close win. Yeah, Von Miller talking about making the difference when it matters most. Something he's trying to impart on those young Bills pass rushers. Meanwhile, that might be the highlight of the early window Sunday, the late window, dominated by the Packers and the Buccaneers. Who do you like
7: in this one? I, I like the Bucks to win this game twenty-four to twenty-one. Tom Brady has to feel like it's two thousand and one, two thousand three. Maybe he's not at the peak of his powers. Maybe his receivers are all hurt or not as talented as usual. The offensive line is faulty, but he's got a great defense. He's got a good running game, and no quarterback problem solves better than Tom Brady. Like Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, they're adapting to this defense and running life. Like Tom Brady and Todd Bowles were born in it. They're ready for ugly games. They find a way to win in the fourth quarter.
1: And this next game, one of those sneaky good games this week, the Lions and the Vikings, both have shown flashes so far this season. Who do you like in week three?
7: I am taking the Lions in a shootout. Now I, now that I know you're giving me the receipts, like I shouldn't be picking six-point <laughs> underdogs here. But I don't care. I love this offense. Amon Run saint Brown is really turning into kind of a four-man Devo. And I know DeAndre Swift isn't totally healthy right now, but when he gets the ball, he is explosive. These are young players who are absolutely taking a leap they're helped out, like Jared Goff, by one of the most physical offensive lines in the league. I don't like the way Minnesota's defense held up uh, against Philadelphia a week ago. Another good offensive line. The secondary's not playing well. I think this Lions team, Omar, is built to win some shootouts.
1: Yeah, DeAndre Swift banged up a little last week. Still had that 50-yard run and showing out hopefully a little healthier Uh, This week here in week three. Meanwhile, the Monday night matchup, the one we've been talking about because of Jerry Jones's comments. He wants to see a quarterback controversy because it means Cooper Rush has been playing so well. Does he play good enough for the Cowboys to win on Monday
7: night against the Giants? I mean Cooper Rush will be fine, but it's like we love we always love talking about quarterbacks. How about talk about the most exciting defensive edge rusher to come into the league since Lawrence Taylor? That's Micah Parsons right now. I thought last week was a big moment in the course of Parsons' career. Only three off-ball linebackers snaps. Hey, we have the best edge rusher maybe I've ever seen. Let's use him at that position every single snap. That's what Parsons is doing, and he can wreck a game. He doesn't need a breakout game, Omar, but as good as he's playing it as historical, I think the run he is on, I don't think he's getting enough attention as a guy just we haven't seen. I think he's defensive player of the year. He's going to be an MVP candidate, and he does not allow a touchdown against the Giants, 9 Cowboys.
1: Yeah, Micah Parsons certainly exploding on the scene. Real quickly, we just have a few seconds here. The Ravens and Patriots, who do you like in that one?
7: Ooh. I took the Ravens in that one. Are you going to count this in the scoring afterwards now? I don't know. (laughs) Well,
1: you give us a bonus game. You only gave us three last week, we get five this week. We'll check in on you a little bit later uh, next week in the same bat time, same bat
0: channel. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.